When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi. 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 We're Distractions Media. Over the past three years, we've raised money for charity during our 24-hour live stream in December. And we're back at it again. This year, we're raising money for three special charities. Anxiety Gaming, Special Effect, and Rainbow Railroad. We're looking once again to top our goal. Your help, I know that we can do it. You can donate to the charity of your choice at distractionsmedia.com slash charity stream. As always, if you would like to watch us play games, have fun, and join our community, you can do so at twitch.tv slash distractions. Fun begins at noon Eastern, December 1st. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your generous support. Welcome back to the Welsh History Podcast, episode 92, Llewellyn and Edward. Hey, before we begin this episode, I just wanted to touch on something that is fairly important to our story of Wales, and to steal someone else's title. We also now need to talk about the most controversial English ruler in Welsh history, one who has gone down in infamy amongst Welsh nationalists for years. Edward I. Of course, not only them, uh, we have an entire movie based on his uh, discretion or indiscretions in Scotland called Braveheart. And certainly there is books and books about his deeds slash misdeeds, depending on your point of view. As our story begins, he's still a teenager, a troublemaker, and in the hands of his French relatives. At this point, he's basically a pawn in the Game of Thrones. But over the next few episodes, that will change from Bregan to King and then to Conqueror. He is, as most of us are, a complex individual who can be seen in different lights depending on your nationality, status, and language. In years since the resurgence of Welsh nationalism, he has taken on the foil for the last true, in quotes, Prince of Wales, the dastardly person who defeated Llewellyn by Welsh betrayal, and created the Ring of Iron and Stone that captured and imprisoned Wales as the first victim of English imperialism. That's certainly the definition that I think most Welsh nationalists would probably agree with. Uh, certainly some who aren't necessarily nationalists might agree with, and certainly some historians in the past have taken that position. But again, this is why we need to talk about him. The role he plays in the history of Wales is significant. He is important, and is a key individual in shaping what Wales will become, but we must do so in context. So while I sympathize with those who feel he destroyed something, we also need to understand that Wales as defined today did not exist at that point, as I pointed out in the past. The idea of a Prince of Wales was a relatively new invention of the 13th century. Before that, 
If there were united Welsh princes, they were really called the Kings of Britain, or Kings of the Britons, depending on how you want to call them. Welsh identity as Cymru was simply something of an innovation born of a common language and a common experience that even within Wales, there was never really united going forward even up to the 13th century. And it was something that they didn't really define themselves even as far back as the 6th century. It was something that came about slowly over time and was developed, I guess would be the way I would describe it. If you look at the history books and the chronicles of the eras before that, they're not talking about them as Welsh, they're talking about, or Cymru, they're talking about them as Britons. And it's only later that that terminology changes and it morphs and becomes this other... Because up until then, there's this united sense that they were the true inheritors of the British islands. And realistically, they didn't see themselves as some sort of different kingdom from that. And so that's why the Old North in Scotland was considered to be just as important to Wales and as Cornwall was. But as these areas got taken over, got dominated by other kingdoms, and eventually merged into them, they stopped being of that importance to Wales. And so the Welsh identity develops out of the fact that they lose so much ground. And of course, again, going back to the fact that culture, language, uh, similar experience definitely derives that. So when we talk about these things, you have to understand it in that context. As well, I'm not going to sugarcoat things that Edward does. He deserves much of the disdain he receives as being a bully and a thug. But Llewellyn may be a national hero nowadays. He was hardly that during his lifetime. Many Welsh hated him as much as there were those that loved him. Many fought for Edward against Llewellyn, including his own brother, David, at one point. All of these things have to be understood. It's a very complex situation going on in medieval Europe at the time. And boundaries and nationalities and nation states as we think of them don't really exist. And the way that you aligned yourself didn't necessarily have any relationship to that. I mean, we've talked about how Southern Powys effectively became a part of the English uh, monarchy's Welsh loyalists. They were the Welsh that fought with the English while North Powys became loyal to Llewellyn and fought against the English. You know, you look at the southern parts of Wales, they remained relatively in charge of Norman lords and then eventually what we would call English lords, and they didn't necessarily come under the same dominance of the Welsh uh, native leaders. So these kingdoms and these these counties for lack of a better terminology, did become driven by different motives and means and weapons and, and all of that. And it's the reason why so often you have this dichotomy of Welsh soldiers fighting against the English. And then a year later, when all this war is over with, you read of Welsh soldiers fighting with the English to take on the Scottish. They actually fought with Edward. You have Welsh soldiers that fight with Henry IV and V in France after defeating Oenglindur, who some of these men might even have fought with. So it is a very complex story, and it's very hard to understand when we look at it and from our perspective of being driven by the idea that there was nations and nationalities and 
this common understanding. Well, they didn't really exist like we think they do. And I think we have to come to grips with that when we're talking about these things. As long as we do, great. It'll all work really well. So mostly this kind of thing is is something I just I want to discuss because I want to make sure you understand that while there's a lot of nation building that's built up out of this story especially it doesn't necessarily translate to what the people of that period thought and understood certainly there are poets and there are writers who will lament this day coming up in a few years that will look back at this time as being a golden age that will wish for the return of independence make no mistake there were welsh people who definitely did not appreciate what it, what edward would do but at the same time we have to understand there are people who were on his side there are people who are not necessarily super happy with llewellyn and what he does here with that said the story today is talking about how these two first confronted each other and what it was over and how this started this rivalry that would begin for the next 30 years, effectively. So let's take our story back a bit. In 1255, Llewellyn had reigned supreme. His brothers were either captured or exiled, and all of Gwyneth, west of the Conwy, now lay in the, his hands, and few could doubt that he was the supreme native leader in Wales. In England, things were not going so well for his older rival, Henry III. His son, Edward, who, of course, we've just mentioned, had been named for the old Anglo-Saxon saint who had been king, but he himself was much more related to and much more in the grips of his French roots. His mother had dominance over him in quite a way in his early upbringing. And because of that, Eleanor of Provence, his mother, uh, and her family tried as much as they could to get their claws into him and to dominate his thinking and to develop his processes of thought. This, along with his rather quick temper and his general willingness to get into scrapes like a local thug rather than a prince, apparently did worry some of the kingdom. Certain English nobles were not very happy to see their heir cavorting with, in quotes, foreigners, and felt he was not very well managed. And there's a lot of feeling you get from this period that Eleanor was disliked because she was, in quotes, a foreigner. And it's an interesting situation when you have people who've only really been in the country for less than 200 years now looking at, you know, the other nobility coming from France. And to be fair, the Norman-dominated part of France as somehow foreign and, and distrust somebody to distrust. Meanwhile, for 16 months, Llewellyn has been waiting, biding his time while the young Edward was causing trouble in France and Henry was facing growing opposition in England from his nobility. Llewellyn was crawling ever forward. Likely, he needed nearly a year and a half to establish himself throughout Gwyneth, especially the part to the west of the Conwy, his land that he had taken over, and build his relationships with various lords, keep everyone on side to make connections with them so that they would serve him in his expanded domain. You, you can't have your nobility fighting against you. We talked a bit about this in the previous episode on how this would create issues for him down the road if he didn't get them on board. Also key to the expansion was getting the rest of the native and English lords on side to keep them from opposing him in his goals. 
This is likely where he was able to create the relationships that would serve him over this next nearly 30 years in the defense against the English crown. And as much as he was preparing through negotiation and relationships, make no mistake, Llewellyn was preparing militarily. He knew that he could not stay unopposed for long, and the idea of a united Welsh front would make Henry, and by extension Edward, very unhappy. So all of this culminates in what happens with the four cantrifs, and they themselves had remained fairly unhappy ever since they'd been taken over in 1247, after the Treaty of Woodstock, which of course succeeded all of the area that was a part of Gwyneth that was east of the Conwy into the hands of the English, and specifically into the hands of Henry. And it, that created problems, because of course this was a Welsh-controlled land, had been for a while, uh, ever since Llewellyn ap Yorwith had taken them over, and had been previously a part of Gwyneth, even going back centuries before that. So there wasn't a natural link or unity with the English. So there was already a lot of hostility in that regard. Um, so you can see where the problems begin even from there. The, they remained in 1253, so we're talking quite a number of years, you know, a few years later, five almost six years later, Henry had urged his uh, overlord there, Alan de to keep some of the Welsh traditions intact, not to go overboard in enforcing English law, and in fact, effectively keep all of the Welsh laws and traditions in place so that everything was still ruled the same way and everything was everyone was still treated the same way, thus allowing them not to feel like they were being oppressed and to treat them with a very light hand. Uh, this must have, of course, come from the pressure they were feeling because these former lands of Gwyneth had been on edge for quite some time. And Lachouche made a remark later in hindsight, which seemed rather foolish, that the Welsh in the area were happy under English rule. Of course, this was apparently never true. If he actually believed it, he would have been proven wrong fairly quickly after this. In 1254, so one year later, possibly to teach his new heir how to rule, Henry gave the four cantrips to Edward. And so these became his first Welsh possessions that he'd acquired and put him on the doorstep of confronting the ambitions of Llewellyn. Edward's steward, Geoffrey de Langley, at some point, likely in the mid to late 1255, took over the running of the area from Lachouche. Henry and Edward as previously mentioned, were distracted with problems in Gascony as another part of the realm was having issues and because of this were not in the country. They were actually back over in France in this period. And this left the people of the four cantrips to effectively start to cause a ruckus. And in doing that, the nobles of the area had actually called on Llewellyn to come help them um, he himself was still controlling only a small part of Gwyneth, and effectively they hoped he would come save them from the English. In less than ten years, the English were already in trouble in the area for obvious reasons. Llewellyn himself, of course, is busy at this point dealing with his brothers. He's a year away from getting into the war that would happen between his brothers and him and, and the end of their conflict at that point, and realistically was in no position, probably militarily and possibly in influence, to really do much about what was going on to his east. 
and I'm sure probably looked at what was going on with the king and was a little unnerved to get involved, or possibly he may have encouraged things without jumping in himself. Either way, uh, nothing really came of this. Instead, it would wait until he had possession of all of Gwyneth and was preparing to maximize on the king's distraction. Matthew Paris, the Norman-English chronicler, would say that de Langley's arrogance got the better of him at this point. Once again, the overseer of the cantrips, claiming that the Welsh were pacified. Once again, that claim, of course, rang hollow. And this time, Llewellyn was ready to act. Unfortunately, we only have the English writer's word on what caused the final problem. He claims it came about because the Welsh wanted to be ruled under their own laws and their own customs, and likely their own language, rather than the English ones. However, as historian Beverly Smith points out, there is no evidence that there was any change to how the Welsh were governed from 1253 to 1256. If anything, it seems to have been very static and very much the same as it had been in the past. Um, Smith postulates that maybe de Langley had been more stringent in enforcing laws or more greedy in claiming taxes and payments that would be made for different fees and that there could be some evidence that these changes, more than a specific English law, demand, or a cultural change, created these issues. De Langley would later seek a pardon from the Crown for his portion of the Welsh problems, which, as, again, uh, Professor Smith points out, likely points that he had something to do with what was going on, and certainly points that his methods weren't well received. Possibly he was more harsh and more demanding and turned a blind eye to the anger he was generating. Edward himself only visited the new territory once in the summer of 1256, and one wonders if he really did not fully understand the seething discontent in the area, or if Delangley was able to more or less cover it up and act as if nothing was wrong. Or did it just come down to the fact that Edward just didn't care because he had pressing concerns elsewhere or didn't necessarily understand the statecraft needed. I mean, this is someone who, as we've been pointing out, was well known for being a bit of a bully, had been going around with his cousins creating problems and mischief in France. And you wonder if he basically still had that attitude when he got there. So we don't really know what caused this to continue to spiral out of control, but certainly there is some question of this being an issue. Either way, in 1256, in the midst of, the of this anger, the Welsh rose up in the autumn, likely encouraged by Llewellyn to do so, of course. That would make sense. Basically, you've given Llewellyn enough time. He's got his base reestablished. He's got the loyalty of his nobles. He is unified in purpose, and that purpose is to take back the rest of Gwyneth's land, take back the last of his grandfather's possessions that he had owned before the defeat and the Treaty of Woodstock. So all of these things came about at this point, and you have this sort of perfect storm. And some suggestions, of course, have laid the blame on Edward, who stirred up the pot on his visit. They The, the suggestion is that basically he may not have repaired the damages underlings had done, made it worse. We don't really know. The other problem is we don't know how much influence Edward had in this circumstance anyway, because the queen, Eleanor, had been the one who put a lot of these people in charge. She was 
basically the one controlling Edward's movements, his associates, his leadership. And Lang to Langley was her choice. And so as much as some of this blame comes on Edward, it could likely be it's more to do with the rest of the crown being at fault, more than necessarily the prince being at fault for what happens. And of course, simply put, Matthew Paris seems to have disliked Edward, and his bias means that we're always going to find fault with the prince. But as we said, there's probably blame enough to go around at all levels of the royal house. Whether initiated by Welsh nobles or by the encouragement of Llewellyn, it didn't make a difference in the end. The leaders of the Welsh nobility overthrew their English masters and, and in the end gave the area back to Llewellyn, who then united both sides of the Conwy together as Gwyneth had in two years entered 1257, not as a divided kingdom that had been then subdivided amongst siblings, but rather a united, governed whole under one king, Llewellyn ap Griffith. And he now was on the ascendancy, and Edward was just about to run into his own set of problems as Henry and him start to conflict over the barons. And next time we'll talk more about all that. So with that in mind, if you need to have any comments, concerns, or questions, you can always reach me at the Welsh History Podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach me on Twitter at Welsh History Pod. I do try and reply as often as I can. Um, if you want to follow my other interests you can follow me at linstead dm which is my other twitter account where i talk more about other stuff we're doing as a reminder in a week we are actually having our 24-hour live stream um which is a charity live stream that we're doing as was advertised at the beginning of this episode can i ask you to consider donating to this you can do that at uh, distractionsmedia.com forward slash charity stream and just pick whichever charity you want there's a charity from the uk a charity from the usa and a charity from canada so you can pick one of them and, and donate to them and i would very much appreciate it it is awesome what these people do and i hope you guys have a great day and we'll talk to you next time take care bye been a Distractions Media production. And for everything we do, check out distractionsmedia.com. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Burn the Boats from Evergreen Podcasts. I interview political leaders and influencers, folks like award-winning journalist Soledad O'Brien and conservative columnist Bill Kristol about the choices they confront when failure is not an option. I won't agree with everyone I talk to, but I respect anyone who believes in something enough to risk everything for it. Because history belongs to those willing to burn the boats. Episodes are out every other week wherever you get your podcasts.